Hello and welcome. This is On Mike with Jordan Rich. If the pandemic has taught us anything, it's how important connection in life and business is. And when that connection is blocked by circumstances beyond our control, how frustrating and costly it can be. We've all been forced to rely on the godsend of digital technology, but navigating it has been for many a challenge. Today, we're going to learn more about a better way to connect with others, particularly in the business world, with the help of Erica Dewan. She's a high-powered author, entrepreneur, coach, and public speaker, and she's all about bringing people together. Her first book was Get Big Things Done, a huge success, and she's out with another one now called Digital Body Language, How to Build Trust and Connection No Matter the Distance. So since I'm all about building connections through conversation, I think it's about time we got to it. So let's go on mic with Erica Dewan. Well, delightful to meet you, Erica. I love the book, and there's so much that we're going to be touching on that is so important to today. But let's talk about you as a, as a child. You relay a story about growing up and learning to read people and read body language. Tell us the, the story. How did that happen? I grew up as a shy and introverted girl. I struggled to find my voice, speak up in class, In every report card from kindergarten through 12th grade, I often got straight A's, but every teacher had the same feedback. I wish Erica spoke up more. And I think a lot of this had to do with the fact uh, that I was an Indian immigrant and grew up in a family uh, of, you know, wonderful parents who immigrated from India and had thickly accented English and didn't always feel confident in my own English in a suburban conservative neighborhood outside of Pittsburgh. But one of the things that I did in spite of being shy and introverted is I started to observe people and I began to develop a knack for reading others' body language, especially having learned broken Hindi and at home listening to my parents speaking Hindi and then at school learning the new rules of English. I had to be able to not only read what people were saying, but how they were saying it, whether it was pacing pauses, gestures, facial expressions. I became an expert at reading these cues and signals. And what I found is that throughout my career, I developed a deep passion for the importance of body language. That's what led to starting my journey in studying body language. And today, helping us all with what I believe we are all facing as new immigrants to the world of digital body language. Well, it's an appropriate place to start talking about what the book does, which really breaks down a lot of the uh, uh, myths and taboos and all that. And before we get to some of these great suggestions and, and helpful advice, let's talk about where we are today. Obviously, the pandemic is a year going, and that changed for a lot of people the way we do business, the way we socialize. Your book couldn't have come out at a better time, I take it. You know, we have an immense opportunity in this moment. In the last year, we've seen more disruption, yet more innovation. And in perhaps the last 10 years in certain industries, many leaders have had to reimagine how they connect and collaborate. Digital tools that got little traction for years in the workplace are now business requirements, not only for productivity, but for business development, for social connection, for celebrations. Even the modern day wedding, baby shower, birthday party has been reimagined. And I think what this moment has taught us is that there's an immense opportunity that our digital shift has unlocked to be less geographically biased to who was only in the room, to engage other individuals, to have seats at the table. Mm. And I think that, you know, my biggest goal and hope from the, the book 
is that individuals will understand not only how important traditional body language was and is as we spent years mastering it with courses, books, and on-the-job feedback, but today we all need to master this skill of digital body language as we lead, communicate, engage in a hybrid world here to stay. Right, and we're forced to do it very quickly, which is why the book is helpful, because this happened overnight and took a lot of people by surprise. Uh, That's why the essence of reading physical body language, it transfers well into the digital realm, but we could use a little help. So let's start with some of the basics here. And the book outlines a whole lot of exercises and things that we can do. But one of the things that struck me in reading it was the idea of confidence building. I feel, as a lot of people do, that there's timidity on the keyboard at times, and I'm not sure whether I'm going too far or not far enough. Talk a little bit about the importance of confidence when you're connecting digitally. So I think let's start with what did confidence used to look like? It used to look like traditional body language signals of poise, a deep voice, bombastic or gregarious body language, you know, arms raised, standing up, uh, a deep smile, um, even legs wide open, right, was a signal of confidence. What does confidence look like in the world of digital body language? I often like to say it is saying what we'll do and doing what we'll say, being thoughtful in our messages, having unambiguous expectations and norms in our communications. And I think that one of the greatest challenges to our confidence in the world of digital body language is the lack of synchronicity in communication. When we send a message, whether it's by email or by text message to an individual, we don't always know where a recipient is at on the other side. Are they extremely excited when they're reading the message or are they on the verge of tears? If we could see them face to face, we would know perhaps how to communicate. If we are sending a work request, how do we make sure that we are not coming across as passive aggressive, but actually just as following up on the deadline? These are common challenges that we are experiencing. So what I like to recommend when it comes to some of these anxieties, uh, both at work and at home in communication are number one, assume good intent. And give others the benefit of the doubt when you may be reading into others' messages Mm. or you may be spending that extra time over and over again rewriting your message. Number two, don't get emotionally hijacked if you see a a message or one-liner. If you are not in a good place to respond yourself, instead, you know, wait on it. I like to say the overnight pause Uh, sleep on it and come back to it the next day or write a draft and then come back to it the next day. These simple things can go a long way to make sure we are in that great state of mind. And Mm. let's be honest, the head nod, the smile, the direct eye contact, these cues made up 60% of our communication pre-pandemic. Today, they are not absent. We actually infuse that tone and nuance in our digital body language. But with the lack of that reliance on traditional body language, Taking that extra step can go a long way in building your own confidence. I love the way you put that. I've got to make a confession here. Because I've been in the radio business and writing commercial copy, if you will, for 40 plus years, I am used to typing in all caps. So about three or four years ago, I realized, oh my God, when somebody receives a note from me in caps, they think I'm upset that I'm yelling, that I'm being 
aggressive. Uh, so I've learned along the, before getting your book, of course, I learned along the way, the hard way. Let me address uh, certain things that have always bugged me, and I'd love to get your take on them. One of them is the shortcut. I know about acronyms, but I also know that I'm completely befuddled when people start throwing emojis at me and acronyms. I believe in proper, readable grammar. What's your take on where we are with all that? Great question. Uh, and I think that just to follow up uh, on your point about all caps. I think all caps today can be shouting. All caps today can be urgency. And all caps today can mean excitement. And it depends on the person. It depends right. on the channel. So we are in a brave new world when it comes to these different cues and signals. And to really answer your question uh, around you being someone who prefers pr proper grammar and punctuation versus some of the shorthand I'll share a recent study with you. A recent study showed that when a group of Americans reviewed a text message that said, okay, in and with a period at the end, a certain percentage of individuals, roughly the same percentage on both sides said, this was someone angry or being passive aggressive and okay with a period in a text. The other group of individuals said, this is someone using good grammar and punctuation. The reality is, is that we have different digital body language signals, even around the same message. And we are not all the same, similar to what we learned from introverts and extroverts, Myers-Briggs, um, you know, 30 years ago, we have different digital body language styles. And yes, some of it is generational. One fun fact is definitely that baby boomers are more likely to use proper punctuation and grammar in certain digital mediums, whereas millennials or Gen Z may see a period at the end of a text message as passive aggressive or angry mm -hmm. because they grew up in a culture where they sure. communicated that way. They may also see an ellipses as uh, someone being angry or frustrated, whereas for a baby boomer, an ellipses may actually be someone signaling that they're thinking or that's, they want to continue a conversation. That's me, Mr. Ellipses, also Mr. Exclamation Point, because I'm a very upbeat person. And uh, I, I, I'm very careful, though, with the language preceding the exclamation point, so that if it's it's obvious that I'm being very happy and ebullient, I want that to be known. But I think I overuse it. But that's me. Let's not worry about me right now. The emotional tone that you set, I think your key element here is that it's not just you sending, it's them receiving. In the business world, let's say, is it best to, to go safe? And how do we do that? So digital body language is very much about how we make others feel on the recipient end. It's not so much just what we like to prefer and what signals we, we always send. My general rule of thumb when deciding which digital body language signals to send to build trust, grow your power, engage with someone, is to use these signals consciously and carefully. And the way to do that is to answer what I call two key questions. The first question is, how much power is between the two of you? Are you peers that have worked together for six years and started to work remotely together? This is a situation where sending that dot, 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 or the one-liner email may not be as confusing because individuals know one another. Or is this someone who you're trying to schedule with their assistant to get on their calendar? You've never met them before. Here's where erring on the side of formality may help. Mm. The second question you have to answer is, how much trust is between the two of you? So not just the power gap, but also the trust gap. 
So when it comes to individuals that you know very well, there may be some fun nuances. Throw in that emoji or two. Don't be shy. Be your authentic self, even if the other individual may not be likely to do that. Uh, And if there is low trust, maybe err on the side of being careful and conscious at the beginning, but knowing when you can switch and bring some of your authenticity into the conversation. I love it. That's so, so intelligent and the approach makes sense. The other thing that I really wanted to talk to you about is that uh, greeting that is accompanied by appreciation. I mean, the thank you note, the handwritten note is one of the most powerful tools in, in my life terms of making and forging relationships, it can be done and it should be done on on the digital world scale because it's even easier. I mean, it takes no time. You don't have to put a stamp on it. What's your take on that and how important that might be to, to our futures here? Let's be honest. The thank you note is irreplaceable. It is unique and it stands out and it's always been a great uh, showcase of recognizing and, and uh, appreciating others. But in some ways today, I'd like to argue that um, with remote life, with nomadic life, I think that there are some unique ways to replace the written thank you note in a digital body language world. And my big recommendation is if you can't send a written thank you note, maybe you don't have their address. One of the simple things you can do is send a quick email thank you within five to 30 minutes after the meeting. I like to say when it comes to the thank you that is digital, speed matters more than substance. Ah. It doesn't have to be a long, drawn out message. But if you send it within five to 30 minutes after the meeting versus two days later or five days later, it will not have the same effect. So I like to say the immediate thank you note is like the new virtual handshake. It commits and creates that sense of alignment. And while the written thank you note is wonderful, it takes days to send. So perhaps think about trying that new virtual handshake with a quick immediate note right after a conversation. I love it. Thanks for the accreditation. I appreciate that very much because that's me. I I kick myself when I miss a few here and there every once in a while, but I try to do that. You'll get a thank you note from me via email right after this interview. I guarantee it. I think I'll get one from you too. Let's talk about something you call the ninja meeting person, N-I-N-J-A. You know what ninjas are, folks. What's the ninja approach to running a meeting? We have too many meetings, uh, whether it's Zoom meetings, conference call meetings, uh, you name it. And I have a strong belief that those that will lead and thrive in our modern marketplace have less meetings, have shorter meetings, have more higher quality meetings. And what that requires is to be what I call a meeting ninja. (laughs) What I have found is that we had office life where we may have gone meeting to meeting, had brainstorming conversations in a room together. But what I saw during the pandemic is we often defaulted to think that an office meeting for 90 minutes would be the same as an office as a, as a video call meeting for 90 minutes. But right. it's not. We right. can't actually think that that those cues in the office will adapt in the exact same way in a video call or even in a phone call. So my general rule of thumb is to create some rules as a meeting ninja to optimize your meetings so that you can get more done. For example, before the meeting, 
Always send agendas in advance. Have a great meeting title. People don't want to come to meetings without clear titles, clear purpose of why individuals are there, sending all the information in advance, even for a video call saying, we will all be on video. Please let us know if you can't be. This avoids the opt-in. It's more of an opt-out. And it sets some expectations. These are expectations that were implicit in traditional body language that now have to be explicit in digital body language. During the meeting, design for true engagement. It was easy to see who had furrowed brows, who wanted to speak next in that office. It's much harder with small video screens as well as on a conference call. So I like to say that meeting hosts have to think like TV producers who have always had to engage on a screen where you're bringing in individuals for different segments. So maybe have certain members of the team moderate different parts of the meeting. Uh, perhaps use the chat tool and say, you know, instead of who agrees with this, who wants to share, say, I'd like every single person in this meeting to go into the chat right now and share their response to this question. And then call on people that have the most different or diverse ideas. This avoids groupthink and it truly creates a higher level of participation. And then finally, after the meeting, send a quick recap email, summarizing the action items and summarizing next steps. Uh, I, I think that the beauty of meetings is that we can get work done, but we've all been in those meetings where we're talking about what was discussed in the last meeting because people forgot or they weren't actually on the same page. And so a meeting ninja is someone who understands we need to have less meetings and better meetings. It's also someone who is able to think about what needs to happen before, during, and after the meeting mm. to make it successful. Great advice. It's the book, uh, Digital Body Language, How to Build Trust and Connection No Matter the Distance. We're talking with the author, Erica Dwan. And let's talk about the difference between men and women and how they perceive digital, because I thought that was an interesting chapter, too. And uh, I don't know where I fall. I'm sort of uh, all over the map because I'm in media doing all kinds of things. But what did you find about the difference? Yes. So I'm a big fan of Deborah Tannen's work in the 90s, uh, who published a book, You Just Don't Understand, about the different gender differences in body language and communication between men and women. And I set out a few years ago to really study and understand how does that translate in a digital realm when traditional body language signals aren't as present what I found uh, was, number one, many of the traditional body language biases between men or and women can be amplified online. So we uh, mansplaining, for example, is something that is actually amplified online. There's a body of work called digital mansplaining, but a digital mansplainer may not just be over talking individuals. They may be uh, not following up. Uh, to existing conversations in a group chat conversation or trying to take credit in an email discussion. So some of the cues and signals may look a little different, but it, they are often amplified online. Uh, another example that I think is interesting is we've often heard of the research on up top up talking and mm -hmm. how certain women can be judged when it comes to up talking. There was a study that showed that when younger women in the workforce use multiple emojis in the workplace compared to a man at any age in that workplace, the woman would be more likely to be seen as incompetent. The man would be more likely to be seen as casual or friendly. This is an example, again, of how some of those traditional gender biases do exist. And I think that the real answer here is that 
we have to understand that we are not all the same. We, we have we can foster inclusion by passing the megaphone and being really thoughtful about it, making sure that we're gathering input from individuals in multiple ways, not just on the call in terms of who's speaking, mm. but research is showing that especially introverts are thriving in written chat tools during a video call where they don't have to speak and worry about their body language, but they can engage because they think better in writing. And so I think the opportunity is actually, we can reduce a lot of the traditional biases that existed in the office world across genders and create more engagement from everyone using multiple mediums. There's no question that all of this stuff is habit forming. All of us are sort of drawn to our screens and drawn to our phones for obvious reasons, but in some cases it gets a little out of hand. This may be off the subject a little bit, but what advice do you have for people who can't wait to tweet a political response and uh, attack someone and they never realize that this tweet will last forever? You can't delete it. Somebody will find it. could end up hurting your job chances in the future. What, what can we do about that syndrome? It's a great question. And I'll share one more example of not only responding to something politically on, you know, on Twitter and then seeing ramifications immediately or years later in job prospects or in other media conversations. But um, even in the workplace, uh, sometimes replying all to a chain and saying something Mm. negative badly, uh, understanding that messages can be forwarded, can be screenshotted. Uh, One example from a true story, a hospital administrator in in my book, I share her story where, um, you know, someone named Melissa at her hospital was fired and um, and she, you know, Melissa was in someone so favored in the organization. And uh, Corinne decided to send a note to some of her buddies um, after a news announcement came out from uh, the CEO And she wanted to respond to just her buddy saying, oh, I thought the news announcement was about, you know, Melissa getting fired as a joke. She ends up realizing that she had replied all to 300 people and Mm. ended up getting fired. (laughs) So this is just an example of how it can happen, not just politically, but even in our daily actions. Well, you have a chapter, uh, Think Before You Type, and I would add, I keep the initials DHS don't hit send next to my keyboard. That is the biggest mistake. And and it's so tempting to just, oh, okay, that's a bang. So uh, let's talk about think before you type, because that is such a critical learning tool for people. One of my favorite uh, stories from the book from one of my clients is um, one of my clients sent a message to his boss that said, do you want to speak Wednesday or Thursday? And his boss's response was yes. <laughs> now, I love that story because I truly believe that in our modern day world, reading messages carefully is the new listening and writing clearly is the new empathy. And this is an opportunity. We are one year into digital work uh, where these things are not just trivial. They make or break long term relationships when they are regularly not followed. It's OK to make mistakes. Sometimes we're multitasking or rushing, but the consistency of it does cause disengagement and Mm. causes a loss of trust. So we have to, I I think that one of the expectations today is to take the time to communicate carefully, think before you type, be clear in your messages, because what that clarity does is it gives others the ability to respond back without anxiety, paranoia, and misunderstanding. And I would argue that some of the biggest culprits of unclear messages are bosses and leaders. 
who may have been used to signaling certain cues with traditional body language, and they now need to become more explicit in digital body language. I would agree. And I think empathy is the salve or the bomb that soothes a lot of emotion. You realize that person on the other end really does care about what I'm doing now and thinking about. That doesn't have to be a major life issue, but just cares that I can't make that meeting and wants to arrange something so that it's, it's preferable for both. Empathy my favorite word next to love. Well, this has been fun. You're terrific. And uh, I know that this is only the start of this kind of thing, training in this area and consulting and talking about your book and probably writing a follow-up because this is only the beginning, as you say. We're in a, a revolutionary period. This is only the beginning. I truly believe that digital body language is a skill as critical as traditional body language. And my mission is to be the Deborah Tannen of the digital age. So I'm so grateful to share the new book, Digital Body Language, with you and really start meaningful conversations for all those at work, at home, and in their communities. One more note. uh, You do talk, of course, about uh, being on screen and in a video chat. In this case, we're recording this via Zoom. I'm in my studio. You can obviously tell. You're in your office. And backdrops aside, uh, I think we're all learning. uh, You you talk about the TV thing. I, I used to work in TV, so I know what a switcher is. We're all learning how to better present, but uh, a lot of people can really do a lot of things simply to improve their their vision on screen, can't they? Simple things go a long way. Uh, for example, a recent study showed that we make eye contact about 30 to 60% of the time when we're face-to-face. I often recommend if you're presenting on video, is great to show your direct eye contact into the camera about 60 to 70% of the time. Even though you can't see others directly, they feel a greater emotional connection to you. That's just one simple one. Another one I recommend is being able to be far enough from the camera where people can see your hand gestures, but also not too far where they can't see your facial expressions. And a caveat, I just have to let you know, I am in a new studio that we just moved into and my camera is above me a little high up. So I'm not, I'm looking at your eyes, but you're probably seeing me look down and I'm working on that. Uh, Trust me, I I read your book, but I'm working on it. But it's, it's so true. Uh, The little things that we can do, uh, whether we're typing them or presenting them make a big difference. Erica, thank you so much. Is there a website you'd like to share with us as well? Absolutely. If you go to my website, ericadewan.com slash digital body language, I offer us a toolkit that is an add-on from my book for free that will allow anyone to implement digital body language rules with their colleagues in their own families and in their communities. It also includes a digital body language style quiz. So you can understand what your digital style is today and help others better understand you. It's spelled E-R-I-C-A. The last name is Dewan, D-H-A-W-A-N, EricaDewan.com. You can find out a whole lot more. Thank you. Lovely to see you. Lovely to meet you. And you'll get a thank you note within 60 seconds. So wonderful to meet and connect with Erica Dewan, author of Digital Body Language, how to build trust and connection no matter the distance. And distance means nothing when it comes to podcasts. We've got listeners in just about every country now, and I appreciate that very, very much. Many thanks to you for supporting the podcast. Also, thanks to Dan Tebow of Fast Twitch Media for his great help in publishing and promoting, to Ken Carberry at Chart Productions. He's my business partner, and it's our home base. And for all of you for checking out this podcast. Until next time, this is Jordan saying be well so you can do good. Take care.